Hello. Thank you very much for tuning in to True Crime Broads. This is Crystal. And Renee. And then we're here to talk to you tonight about the Missy Beavers case. We are continuing on and moving forward through this case, even though there has been no developments from Fresco, um, excuse me, from Midlothian PD in a long time. We are going to continue talking about this case, hoping that it'll bring some awareness and Maybe one of us will think of something that might help. How are you doing, Renee? I am doing good. Um, I just am really shocked by this colder weather. It feels like winter time. I know that I was, um, I mean, I knew it was going to rain yesterday, but I was really shocked whenever I opened the door and I was literally like, oh, I need a coat or <laughs> something. I like I was shocked. I I'm know, not really I know. liking it. I guess since we're, Staying in the house, we really doesn't matter, I guess. <laughs> I know. I saw one of my friends posted a meme today that said, "Did we get quarantined so long that it's winter again?" So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I am man. losing track of time, but I swear, I hope we don't fast forward to winter that fast. Um, no, 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 no. We are yeah, going. Hey, to- I'm, I'm trying to keep a positive attitude after the press conference today, hearing that it might be July or August before things are getting back to normal that just really kind of rattled my cage a little bit but I'm trying to be positive and not worry about that too much so I hope everybody out there is doing okay with that news you know maybe you know maybe one of the tactics with that and I'm this is just a thought in my head is by saying that people will go oh crap maybe we better just go to her house and sit still and stop going about life as normal because you know some people are they're just yeah acting like going on and everything's not a big deal and maybe that will kind of uh you know scare them into going in the house and sh- it scares me enough to just sit in my house and do nothing and not leave right <laughs> you know right. until I get groceries or something well and this is just so contrary to the american way i mean to be cooped up in your house not be able to go out and to watch small businesses and large businesses suffering this is just so not what we're used to you know it's really crazy my husband's only been home for a few days because his business didn't shut down right away but he doesn't work around anybody he works by himself you know out in the field so it's not a big deal but um but it's been really hard for him you know it's a lot different for you know uh, you know he's never done that before so he's having a real hard time so we have to try to you know I don't know just figure out things to do during the day I guess you could say just yeah. have to kind of entertain yourself. Right. Not, I mean, we, we think he's even worked on things that he hasn't had time to work on. And he even cleaned the kitchen, just different things like that. So it's right. Been, oh, that's nice. Yeah. I know. Definitely I, been interesting. Yeah. I've actually had time to do things too that I have I don't normally do. But then I have to admit a lot of my days are unfocused. So I need to, I need to take advantage of this time, you know? Yeah, you, we have time to do things we've never been able to do, you know, had time to do before, like organize and things like that. And I'm going to have to say that I've done a little bit, but not as much as I could be doing. So there's that. <laughs> right, right. But anyway. Um, okay, so we are going to talk today um, about the killer, whether they are organized or unorganized. Okay. What are your thoughts? Well, um, you know, I, I kind of could argue that both ways because I think that luck played into this a lot. I know we've discussed this, I think, on episode one. 
But, you know, there was that information that we dug. And this was something that I happened to find just by digging around. And I think I'll have to go back and look, but I'm pretty sure I found them in those Midlothian um, camp gladiator groups. And it Mm -hmm. was quite a while after the case. I don't know if you remember this when we were emailing these back and forth. But um, Missy apparently had two um, women that routinely came and started their workouts at 430. Um, we didn't know that for the longest time. I really don't think that the perpetrator knew that. I think the perp looked online, looked on her Facebook post and on her personal page that was public, you know, it was set to public. And she did that on purpose, mm-hmm. which a lot of people do. And I don't blame them. When your income depends on how many people attend the class, of course, you want everyone to be able to access the information so that they can go. Right. So that was not uncommon. That was a regular thing that the camp gladiator trainers do is announce their schedules so that the public can see it. And Missy was no different. Well, um, I think the perpetrator just looked and said, Oh, five o'clock. Okay, cool. I'll get there early. She'll be getting there early to set up and then I'll do my attack. And so I don't, I mean, this is my personal opinion. I could be totally wrong, but I have a feeling the perpetrator did not know about those 430 people because people tend to get places a little before, you know, let's say they got there at 425. I mean, that would have given, you know, the perpetrator almost no time to, to perform those horrible acts. So I just, that's, that's kind of my, I tend to think that they were sort of organized, but I'm really not, I know there's been a lot of talk, you know, in the gossip groups that we're in where people's opinion is, oh, this person was a meticulous planner. This was planned down to the minute. Everything was well planned. They ordered the outfit ahead of time. I really don't see it as much. I do think that they obviously know how to cover their tracks and they know how to not leave evidence behind. So in that regard, I think they're super, super organized and conscientious, but I think that luck played into it because we have the small dark SUV seen leaving the scene of the crime by Camp Gladiator participants and a passerby. Um, That's been confirmed recently where I thought the passerby and the Camp Gladiator were one and the same, but apparently there really was a passerby that was not involved in the exercise class that saw the car as well. So maybe the Camp Gladiator person isn't really is it really a person that's seen it then maybe that was just assumed? Well, I just assumed that the passerby was the camp gladiator person. And I was told Mm -hmm. by an inside source, you you and I have discussed this, that, that they said that um, they were told that don't worry, we won't use your names. We won't say it was a camp gladiator, you know, to keep it safe so that the search warrant wouldn't, you know, say who they were for their safety reasons. Because immediately following Mm -hmm. the murder, those people were terrified and I don't blame them one bit. Um, but, but apparently there really was also a passerby who saw the small dark SUV leave the church and took note of it. So, um, so anyway, with all that being said, I just kind of think that that person narrowly missed being caught that morning. I really feel like Mm -hmm. that was such a close call and, you know, the person might really like the fact that, you know, some people like to perform um, crimes when they know there's like a, like it's a bigger thrill for them if they feel yes. like they're going to be close to getting caught. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think maybe that might be part of it, but I also would be surprised if they knew about the two women 
who had started coming early because that wasn't publicized much. Missy posted about it twice and each post she just no. said she was bragging on them for being early, but she never said right. this is a normal thing. She almost made it sound like it was an abnormal thing. We learned later. She um, did, but remember, she mentions um, if you want to do this, let me know because these two ladies come early and you can do it as well. She did mention oh, that. Okay. I'll have to I'll have yeah. to get that old screenshot out because that's slipping my mind right now. Um, I just yeah, remember thinking. I just remember her posting, look at these early arrivers. Yeehaw. Yeah. You know? Like, look right. at them. So, yeah, I'll have to dig I mean, through my old screenshots or see if I can figure that out somehow. But um, anyway. That's so, a yeah. serious celebration, though. <laughs> right. Getting there but, at 430? My gosh. My gosh, I know. But, you know, I don't Amen. think that um, she posted about it more than twice. And if I'm remembering this correctly, this has been years ago now that we found this, but if I'm remembering correctly, I believe she only posted two times and it was in the Camp Gladiator group, not her personal page. So I'm going to have to look all that stuff up again now that um, you bring this up. I Now I'm wanting to know. Um, but yeah, so I guess what I'm saying is I think that after the fact, you can tell this person knew what they were doing because they... Um, Oh, I found the post because they, um, I mean, they didn't leave any evidence behind. I mean, there's been no arrest in four years. So they obviously are doing a lot of things right. And I say right, quote unquote, um, right to not get caught. But I do think that there was also kind of a wing and a prayer on some of it. Okay. I found, um, I found one of the posts. Um, it was March 21st, 2016. And I will post this in our Facebook group and on Instagram. And Missy posted, and she's uh, posted it in the Camp Gladiator Midlothian Facebook group. And she said, 4.30 a.m., early risers with two exclamation points. And she tagged the two women. Um, she didn't yeah. say anything else. So I'll have to find the other post, the one that you're referring to. If you can find that, let's mm-hmm. post it in the she, group. I think that one might have been actually on her page. I'm not positive, yeah, but I it. think maybe. Find that. Okay. We'll put, mm-hmm. it, we'll put it out there for everyone yeah. to look at. Yeah. And, okay, um, cool. But she did do a lot of posting about her 5 a.m. Um, class. Mm-hmm. And so I think the perpetrator just felt really super confident that he had enough time to pull this off, even though it was going to be close. And I would be shocked if he knew about the 430 ladies. Um, so yeah. that kind of makes me think, you know, he wasn't quite the meticulous planner that um, that we kind of a lot of people, I think, give the perpetrator a little too much credit. Because I do think that um, some of it just really was luck and a lot of it yeah. was knowing what they're doing. Right. I mean, and it could just be one of those situations where they didn't, you know, because not everybody knows how to dig for stuff like me and you do. <laughs> you know, yeah. oh, we, yeah. we don't know how to do some digging and looking at stuff that a lot of a lot of people don't know how to do that. Um, and of course, it comes with experience of 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 doing it for a while, you know, looking on, you know, looking up friends on Facebook or, or finding, um, you know, a, a organization or maybe a, an author or whatever, you know, just things like that um, kind of helps you to figure out how to do those things. And maybe it was just a situation like that. So I don't know, but I mean, I do agree with you on that. Um, some of the reasons that I consider the killer being an organized killer or being organized for planning this is because you know several things they knew their location 
they they knew the time frame basically because 4:30 wasn't actually the actual class time it was actually 5 so i think they thought they had more time so i think you're right on that being luck because they thought okay she's going to get there early um, you know, I'll have time to do what I'm going to do and then I will leave and then no, nobody will be the wiser. So that what could have been, you know, that's obviously what got them, uh, where they were seen or whatever the, the dark SUV seen leaving the, the scene. So that's how that mistake was made. But I still think they planned it. They thought they were doing it right. You know, according to what information they had. Right. Um, they knew about the cameras, so they dressed so that they wouldn't be, um, you know, be able to be picked out that people could, wouldn't say, oh, I know who that is, or that looks right. like so-and-so. I mean, yeah. they're covered from head to toe, so can't mm -hmm. tell about that. That, you know, they premeditated this. It's obvious it's premeditated in my mind. I mean, a lot of people will say, you know, they just, you know, came there and she was at the wrong place at the wrong time. And I just, I do not believe that. Not um, all. Yeah, I don't believe that at all. I mean, they broke into the building and from what I'm understanding, and this is again, <clears throat> This is my opinion on this. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I had trying to clear my throat. I guess that rain brought in something. Um, yeah. But anyway, I, I feel like um, she, I feel like, I say she, I'm talking about Missy. Um, I feel like they, um, whenever there was a, remember the two o'clock um, surveillance, the, the surveillance video that clicked on it to something. I feel like the person went over there, broke in, checked to see if anybody was going to come. And that is probably why the cameras triggered their surveillance cameras. <clears throat> and then they, you know, and then they did whatever they had to do to plan the rest of their mission. Mm -hmm. And then they went ahead and, and did, you know, got, that's why you see them on surveillance camera because they're walking the halls and checking everything out. I'm not really mm -hmm. sure what all that's about. I guess maybe they're just, killing time I don't know mm -hmm. but um you know those are just some of the reasons that I feel like it's you know they're organized killers so we we do agree on a lot of that because um they're more they're more organized than they are disorganized I mean I think if, if this is obviously somebody that's never done yeah. this before right. they're gonna make mistakes so yeah and I think the proof is in the pudding too I mean they haven't been arrested in four years I guarantee you if I try to even you know, do one little thing, I'd be arrested right off the bat. So I can tell this person, this person knows what they're doing. And, um, you know, whether that comes from having law enforcement experience or having experience being a criminal or maybe a com combination, I do feel like this wasn't this person's first rodeo. They definitely knew how to look out for certain things. They knew how to not leave evidence behind. That was by all accounts, you know, even though we don't know exactly the cause of death and all that stuff, by all accounts, it was a bloody violent scene and um, they were able to escape um, perhaps the outfit was a big part of this but they were able to escape without leaving behind any usable DNA or really much of anything um, that we're aware that of. Probably another reason for the I mean the the disguise had several different um, they had, there's several reasons that they had to disguise them, in my opinion. One is to disguise them, obviously, so they're not seen. They're covered from head to toe. You can't see their hair color. You can't see their face. You can you can basically tell that they are Caucasian, but the, to me, that's about the gist of it. Um, you can't tell, you know, if you can't tell if they're female or male. Basically, you have to base it on a walk mm -hmm. or a stance mm -hmm. or something like that. And yeah. then you have they're they're hidden from the cameras 
And, you know, so it, it plays into several different reasons why they have this, this get up on, I call it a get up because it, it, you know, but um, you said something too while ago and I was going to, I was going to touch on it and it, you know how fast we lose our train of thought. <laughs> Something. We should, call it, we should call it the ADD chicks. <laughs> right. Instead of the, ADD crime <laughs> <laughs> the ones that can't remember what they're, what they're talking about half the time. It'll come back to me. I'll, I'll have to go. Oh my God. I remember. <laughs> no, no, that's good. Um, Do it when you're ready because that'll be great. Now, I know this is jumping all over the place like we always do, but um, it kind of ties into this. Um, what we don't, uh, you know, it's hard for us to even, I, I'm surprised we can speculate on this case as much as we can with as little information as we have. Because I read an article today that came out today, um, and I think this woman is getting attention simply because she was uh, ex-fiance of a celebrity. Um, I'm not sure this would have been a big news article if not, just being honest, but um, it was Drew Carey's ex-fiance, and they were saying that based on her autopsy results, um, they could tell that she had put up a lot of a fight in her murder, and I Mm -hmm. had sort of forgotten that she had been murdered. Um, She wasn't uh, his fiance at the time of her murder, or was she? I, um, I think they were not together. I think it was his ex. Yeah, it was already his ex. You're right. Um, but anyway, it said that the autopsy report specifically noted abrasions and contusions on her shoulders, arm, elbow, and forearm, including injuries to her hands, fingers, and wrists. Investigators listed the findings as, quote, consistent with a combination of defense and assault type wounds, end quote. Um, now, if you just Google Drew Carey X, um, if you do Drew Carey girlfriend um, autopsy, that's what I did. And I'd forgotten that it was his fiance, but it still pulled up. Um, you can find this. There's several articles. There's the blast as what I was just reading, but they're all pretty much the same article. Fox News has it. Daily Mail has it. People.com. Newsbreak. So USA Today. But yeah, it's just um, it really got me thinking about Missy. Um, we have not heard any of those types of details about Missy. I would have to assume that she would have similar marks on her. And I hate to even say this stuff. I hope I should have said before I said this, if any of her family members are listening, I hope you turn this off because I just feel insensitive saying this. But for part of our conversation on this investigation, I feel like we have to talk about these horrible things. But mm-hmm. I, I feel like that I'm I just feel like what we know about Missy and the fact that she had some experience with self-defense she had taken we saw those posts where she had checked in and that she had taken a lot of self-defense classes from some of her compadres that were also in the self in, in the fitness world um and like she was and I just really feel like you know I, it just it just made me realize we don't know that much about anything in this case um we don't know if she had defense wounds we don't know her actual cause of death because the autopsy has been sealed this entire time. Um, but anyway, that just sort of um, got me thinking. And, um, you know, it also along the lines of what we're talking about was the criminal organizer disorganized, you know, it just really, we don't really know that much about what happened in the actual murder, but whatever did happen, it sounds like they just didn't leave a whole lot of information behind because, you know, I, the obvious reason is that there's been no arrest 
And it doesn't even, I don't even know if they've come close to an arrest. I don't really know if they're just like on the brink of arresting someone or if, and they just can't seem to quite make it work or are they just nowhere near arresting someone? We just don't have any information, but as far as whether the um, perpetrator is organized or disorganized, um, was there any other top, any other topics under that you wanted to bring up? Well, um, <clears throat> I looked up some information on organized offenders and mm-hmm. um, I found some, something interesting to, uh, to talk about on here. And it's, it's obviously not across the board as nothing is. Nothing is ever across the board. It's just typically, you know, because typically your, your uh, typical uh, serial killer is somewhere in the neighborhood of between 40 and 50 years old. Uh, or maybe it's between 30 and 50. Anyway, whatever. It's somewhere in that neighborhood and it's a, a Caucasian person, but that doesn't mean that there can't be other people and different, you know, um, you know what I'm saying, different ages, different uh, races, things like that. But I just found this list interesting. Um, so th- some characteristics of an organized offender, um, they're high birth order, which in my opinion, that would be because, um, there are the oldest. So typically the oldest, think about it, you know, typically the oldest um, of in the sibling order would be the person that takes care of things, that helps yeah. do things for the younger, you know, mm-hmm. sisters and brothers, um, that helps maybe prepare dinner, things like that. So I guess that's what causes them to be more organized. So I guess that makes sense, you know? Right. So I thought that was interesting. And then um, they're inconsistent with their parental discipline. And yeah. I don't really understand that one. What do you think about that one? Because it's interesting, but I don't really get it. But can you repeat that again? They're inconsistent with their parental discipline. So I oh. guess they have, maybe they have more, you know, several kids. If they have several kids, they maybe favor one more than the other. And maybe they one kid. Or I was, I took it as, um. Now, is this in relationship to birth order? Or is this a different point? This is this is on the, on the parental side, them being a parent, because it says inconsistent parental discipline. Okay. Well, I yeah. was thinking that meant like one day your kid is doing something and you spank them. The next day you go, oh, don't worry about it, honey. I thought they meant inconsistent like that. See, but and you- that's it. It may be. I don't. I don't know. I yeah. took it as different. So maybe maybe you're right. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I, I just took it as that maybe they treat one differently than the other. So it, it could be, I guess it could be either or, I don't know, but okay, I just this, curious what makes I, them be that way. Yeah. I have no idea. Um, were you done with that? Cause I was going to read something when you're done, but I don't want to interrupt you. No, I'm, I'm almost done. Um, okay, I just was, I want your opinion on that one. Cause I thought it was interesting. Um, okay. And then this one says average or above average intelligence. Mm-hmm. And I can see that. I can see they would need to be, yeah, I can see that. Uh, Poor work performance. Hmm, yeah. Um, Socially adept. Yeah, that means able able to blend in well. Yeah, and I can, I can see that. That would, that would definitely be a characteristic of somebody who could pull something like this off. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then the last one is usually living with a partner. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it, it's wild. interesting how, 
how they 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 learn these things about you know and it's funny because whenever you go through and you look at the people that do this kind of thing they were the people you know that that would go in in the prisons and literally talk to these killers and find out about their their habits and why they did what they did and why they um you know and and different um personality traits i I just found it i just find it really interesting knowing about always been (laughs) it's gonna sound really weird but obviously i've always been interested in true crime because i've always wanted to understand it Mm -hmm. and i've always been one of those people that wants to go can you just explain to me why you did this i mean and and a lot of times they don't they don't want to talk about it they don't it's weird they do it but they don't want to talk about it but anyway i just yeah and and how do you how do you get that far how do you kill a person in just cold blood like that. I don't understand. I couldn't even kill an animal. Like what makes someone cross that line? Um, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because that's, an, you know, you remember me telling you about the class that I'm taking? Yeah. Well, yeah. it's like an online. So I found this online class for our listeners because um, obviously we're quarantined and we need things to do. So I have taken all my criminal justice classes, but it's been a while. So I decided to, um, kind of refresh myself, you know, whatever on some classes. Yeah, that's and they really cool. Really good thing. They had this really good deal on Groupon, and somebody pointed it out in one of the true crime groups. That's how I found it. So I went on there, and they had this class for seven bucks, and then you could take both classes for ten. So I just said, "What the heck?" So I did it, and it's just like a a college class. I mean, it has all the, you know, classes online, and then you and then you go through and take tests, and you know, whatever. And um, anyway, I was reading um, a lot about that kind of stuff. And it has obviously a lot to do with, you know, the way you grew up, the way you were treated. Um, if you were, you know, abused, if you were, if you take alcohol, you know, or drink alcohol, if you take drugs, um, parental neglect, poverty, all these things obviously have something to do with people that do this. But the biggest thing that has... Um, uh, to do with people acting on their emotions is um, let me find the main one. I'm trying to find where I wrote it down at. It, it's basically jealousy and, and, and okay. So like, if, you know, if me and you, you know, people that, that are able to control their um, emotions, I guess you could say, so all of us have times in our lives where we get upset about something. Something makes us so upset that we're just furious. We're just mad. We're just like, oh my gosh, I can't you know, believe this happened or I'm just so upset about it. And we just let it get the best of us. But eventually we come to our senses and we say, okay, I'm going to calm down. I'm not going to be upset about this. I can't do anything about it. You know, we, most people have the ability to do that. But there right. are some people that this pride or jealousy or revenge or greed or anger what these things are so strong that they can't control them and before they know it they're acting um they're acting uh what am i trying to say i I can't find a way to say it but anyway they just become violent because they yeah they just they let it get the best of them is what they do and so i was reading that i found it really interesting i mean it's kind of it kind of seems like it's common sense but it's not because we don't we don't understand it because we're able to go okay i'm just going to calm down i'm just going to do whatever but some people are just so and it it just has to do with everything it could be because you know they were always you know there's no telling what it happened in their life that caused them to be you know 
uh, so upset about whatever it is, but it's that emotion that makes them go, you know what? This is not happening to me. I'm going to put a stop to it. I'm going to do blah, blah, blah. And they just do it. Right. And there must be, there must also, I have to think there must be some arrogance involved because how would anyone think that they're going to be so smart that they're not going to get caught? Because really the vast majority of murderers do get caught. And um, it just to think that you're going to be the smart one that doesn't get caught and can get away with playing God also, you know, to actually kill someone, make them stop, make a human being no longer exist and have their life anymore and take them away from their loved ones. Oh, there's, totally, a lot of, there's a lot of arrogance in that too, you know. I totally agree with you, um, but I don't think that they're, they're, they're obviously not thinking clearly. So you have to, you have to think that they are not thinking like you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That, yeah. That's what, that's what I have to read. And I, cause I ask myself that question all the time, like, oh my gosh, why would they do something like that? Why would they, you know, just like Chris Watts, why on earth yes. you kill your wife, your pregnant wife and your two absolutely beautiful children because of some mm-hmm. girl and you could have just said you know what I don't want to be with you anymore I don't like you I don't love you I mean I mean my gosh that's that's horrible to say but let's think about it for a second you can either say that and look like a total jerk or whatever and you know the whole family hates you but guess what people are going to get over it you're going to move on she's going to move on and guess what everybody's alive and you're not in prison yeah exactly yeah the problem is they 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 they're not thinking clearly because Mm -hmm. there's something something some kind of trigger that went off and caused Mm -hmm. them to go you know what i'm not doing that i'm gonna have this girl i'm gonna be with her and she's not gonna stop me and i don't want to have to everybody hate me so let me just kill her which is just blows my mind I mean, I'm right. like you. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, this makes no yeah, sense. It's, You're it's not like a friend for the rest of your life, and everybody's gone. Yeah. You know? With Chris, if with Chris Watts, it's almost like stupidity, psychopathy, and arrogance just collided, oh, you know? Yeah. yeah. He, he would fall into the category of pride. You know, he was like, I guess, prideful because he didn't want to look like, and that's what I think. I mean, I don't know if I'm, I, I could be wrong. Yeah. It's just my opinion. But I feel like, Pride was a big part of it for him because he was like, he wanted to be with this girl. He didn't want to be with his wife for whatever reason. I don't care what she did. You know, she seemed like a wonderful person to me, but I'm, I'm just using this as an example to look at a different one, mm-hmm. but you know, she, he didn't want to be with her for whatever reason. And, and I guess he got caught and the kids were going to tell. So he had to kill them, which is just absolute selfish greed, you know, because he wanted to be with this girl. I mean, I, I, my mind is I, I'm like you I can't even I can't even fathom it so that's why I do all this studying because well, I just want I also I also think part of it for some of the psycho husbands is um, instead of being the bad guy that caused a divorce they can get all the sympathy of being someone whose wife was murdered and poor you you the widower you know bless your heart yeah. and they want that attention you know, I don't know if you remember this because it's been so many years ago, but I know you and I both really followed closely the Scott Peterson case. Mm-hmm. And when Lacey was killed, I know it just based on what his family said about him and people that know him, I just guarantee you he was sitting around waiting for all that attention, you know, for them to be like, oh, no, Scott, we're so sorry. Mm-hmm. Every, everything's going to revolve around you for a long time now because your beautiful wife, pregnant wife was murdered. And his sister, remember his sister, I think it was his half sister wrote a book about him and said 
and she believed that he was guilty. And she said that he did not murder Lacey because he wanted to be with Amber Fry. That was not it at all. He had had affairs before. She said that he was a total narcissist and he was jealous of that baby. That baby Connor was going to be getting all the attention. And she said, there's no doubt in her mind. It had nothing to do with that affair. He's had multiple affairs um, when he was married to Lacey. It was, um, he just didn't want to compete with the baby. That isn't that now that is bizarre. That's really disgusting and sad. So it is. I also also think, and this is totally ironic, but I think that the Chris Watts and those the Scott Petersons of the world don't ironically, they don't want to look like the bad guy and cause a divorce. Because they're so arrogant. They think they won't get caught, you know, being the murderer, which is the ultimate bad guy. Yeah, and, and and that's the whole pride thing I was talking about. It's just crazy. And I guess I guess Scott Peterson would fall into the jealousy category, which is just absurd thinking that you're jealous of a child, but okay. Yeah, but, uh, and your own child. I mean, everything revolves around my babies, and that's the way I wanted it, you know? Exactly. <laughs> you like, I, yeah. Can that's feeling like you're competing with a newborn. That's totally ridiculous. I mean, seriously, like he, but that was, that was what she said. She said he is a narcissist straight up and he just didn't want to share the limelight. And that's what, that's what it, that's the thing that it that mentions when I was doing that study and is that it talks about people's, um, you know, upbringing, uh, the way they were raised, how they were treated by parents, you know, things like that. It's not really saying that that's the reason it's just giving you kind of a background of why these things happen because some people are like, I just don't understand it. They're so nice and blah, 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 but you don't know what they went through when they were children. And that's not excusing it. That's just giving you an understanding of how it came to be, I guess, you know, right. Which kind of doesn't really help the situation, but I guess at least gives you kind of an answer sometimes, you know, I mean, like, um, I'm trying to think of it. John Wayne Gacy. Um, I mean, I know he. I think he would uh, find young boys and uh, rape them and things like that. And then he would. And I guess I'm saying it lower, like I'm whispering. But, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. uh, but he, you know, because you hate saying things like that. But he would, would do these things, and then he would, you know, kill them. And then I think he would take them and put them under the, the house in the basement or, or under the, yes. under the crawl space under his house and come to find out his father was abusive and was sexually molesting him. So yeah, that's really, yeah, really sad. How that, yeah. How that works, how that works out for people that are like, you know, that things like that happen to them and then it, it happens. Then they end up doing the same thing. Not always, obviously, but it's just weird. Well, 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 speaking to what you were bringing up about whether or not this was an organized killer, you know, I was thinking about DNA being left behind or not left behind. And apparently they think they have some DNA here, but it's not adequate. I know we talked about that on our last podcast, but, you know, different. I, I just I Googled earlier and I, I want to get this on the record in case anyone close to me gets murdered. I did Google how to not leave dna behind at a crime scene but i promise it was for the podcast but um (laughs) but anyway i an article came up talking about you know the various kinds of ways that you can leave dna behind and this just kind of made me stop and think for a minute because we have talked about this but i kind of want to go over it again so there's bodily fluids and that includes several things blood being probably the most obvious one saliva perspiration urine which i hadn't really thought about urine before 
and semen can readily provide DNA information at crime scenes. Um, then you also have another category, which is skin and hair. So there's skin cells and hair, um, which makes perfect sense. Um, especially if there was a struggle, a victim might have skin cells from the criminal underneath their fingernails, or they could mm-hmm. have pulled out the hair, fo- you know, hair follicles and have those on their clothing. Um, so there's that category. And then the next category we did talk about this last time is touch DNA. And that actually is even smaller than a regular skin cell that refers to the oils on your skin and Mm -hmm. also the epithelial cells left whenever a person touches any object. So anytime your skin contacts another surface, it many times, most of the time leaves trace amounts of your DNA behind, which is really crazy to think about. So um, anyway, and then, you know, it just really got me thinking about, you know, this person, like you said, was covered from head to toe. They had on gloves. They had on a helmet. Um, we saw the light on the helmet and, you know, that one scene in the church video, they were covered up. So, you know, that, like you said, that was another reason to be covered from head to toe was to hopefully not leave anything behind in the struggle. But you know what? I know that when I, if I would be all covered up like that, I would still probably leave hair behind because my hair just tends to fall out for no good reason. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, I just it's still shocking to me that I mean, it's nothing's perfect. And also, I think if there's a struggle, Missy was smart enough and well trained. I think that she would have found a way to try to poke him in the eyes, get her hands under that helmet to do some damage to try to get away. You know, those things that they teach you in self-defense classes, basically, when it's a female against a man, they always say, try to use your legs because your arms are never going to be a match for a man's arms. But if you can ever get your legs Mm -hmm. involved, then you have a chance because they're a lot stronger. So she probably kicked him in the crotch. She probably tried to poke his eyes or whatever those things are. Do as much damage as you can. Mm -hmm. um, Because it's a desperate time if you're ever in that situation. Um, So I don't know. I just, I think about that kind of thing. And I just wonder, we don't even know what the DNA is. So I just wanted to sort of list all the possibilities. I'm sorry, would you say? And also a bite mark. Um, if, if the person, if the victim was able to bite even through like clothing, they can take the shape of the bruise. Of course, they're not going to see it on the person that did it because we don't know who did it, but, um, but any kind of teeth marks on anything can also be used, you know, to, to like match up to somebody's teeth. I've seen that on shows before and it's interesting. Yeah. Cause when it's the victim biting the perpetrator to try to get away, then of course it's the victim's teeth, but. In cases like with Ted Bundy, Ted Bundy actually habitually bit the people that he attacked. And so they were yeah. able to match up his dental records with that. that. Yeah. And, you know, I watched this show the other day and that you're talking about the, the um, touch DNA and the, you know, uh, DNA like under fingernails and stuff. It was so interesting because this person, this, this guy had attacked uh, this woman and he raped her. And then he beat her and then he killed her. He strangled her. And um, one of the things that, that they found odd about it, because they, they asked the family, tell us about, you know, your family member. And um, one of the things that they, they had taken pictures of her hands 
And the lady, one of the family members said, there's something's not right about this. And they said, what do you mean? And they said, her fingernails are straight across. Like they've been cut with a like fingernail clippers. And they said, the thing is, is that she bit her fingernails. So they would never be straight across like that. This perpetrator knew, I guess she, you know, put up a a big fight. And I guess they knew there was going to be some, you know, DNA evidence under her fingernails and they literally cut her fingernails off. That is so weird. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. So some people do, I guess they just, you know, like you were saying, Google it, you know, look it up or whatever. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And, and the different ways of doing things, which ends up getting people caught sometimes. But anyway, well, and you I know, just, looking, thinking more about this touch DNA that you just mentioned again, um, you know, in the Missy Beavers case, MPD announced in that article, well, we have it, but it wasn't enough. It was partial right. and it was mixed. Okay. But touch DNA, it's such a small amount. It's just really interesting. They, you know, the article I was looking at is from uh, education.seattlepi.com. And it says that um, in the past, a relatively small number of residual cells made this type of sample unsuitable for DNA profiling, profiling, but technology has reduced the amount of material necessary to create a DNA profile. Touch DNA may not provide enough information to conclusively identify an, a suspect, and in many cases, the genetic material may be too limited to provide any useful information whatsoever, but this method of DNA sampling can provide leads in cases that otherwise lack solid evidence. I'm still very surprised and confused about why the DNA being partial and mixed means that it's not usable. I know I wish that we could get a journalist to ask MPD to elaborate on that some more, or mm-hmm. if we could talk to someone at the, that works at the lab that could maybe explain what are the circumstances under which that could happen? Or maybe there's mm-hmm. someone listening that knows a lot about DNA that might be able to share that with us. Yeah. Um, but I'm very confused about that because touch DNA literally can just be oils or epithelial cells, which mm-hmm. that's supposed to be just the tiniest amount of anything that you leave behind, like on a doorknob or anything that you touch. So I don't really mm-hmm. see how that DNA wasn't usable. That just kind of makes me crazy. Well, but, but we got to remember this person had on gloves. So what mm-hmm. could it possibly have been? It, it seems like yeah. it would only be like sweat or um, saliva or mm-hmm. possibly, possibly blood. I mean, if she was able to scratch them or, I mean, cause you know, there's, there's areas of their body that even though they were covered enough that we couldn't see them, they weren't covered enough that she couldn't touch them. So like the neck area, or, I would um, think, and I would think that Missy would be resourceful enough to know that she needed to reach up under the helmet and try to do some damage um, right. or something like that. And also, I guess we can rule out the fact, I guess we can say he probably, he or she probably didn't lose any of his hair while he or she was there because I would think a hair would definitely be a sufficient sample. Yeah. It wouldn't I be considered so. partial. Yeah, I think so. I think a hair would be enough. I mean, I yeah, it seems like it would. So I, I don't, don't know, know enough about that, but you know, it seems like it would yeah. be. I mean, so I think it has to have the the root, from what I understand. But I mean, I don't know. And and also, yeah, that's why I would think in a hair pulling situation during a an altercation, you're much more likely to have the root than if it just fell out on its own. Right. Because you'd be pulling hair out. 
Um, Um, And another thing that I forgot to mention on the um, organized part um, Uh is um, I don't see it on here, but I I remember it is that they brought their, their tool, they brought the tools. So it wasn't like they were doing like doing this on a whim, you know, like, you know what? Yeah. It was, it was planned because they brought their, the, the tools. I guess they brought the hammer. And I don't know what the other thing is. And nobody seems to know what that is. I don't have the faintest idea, but, but you can tell right. they have a hammer, they have a flashlight and then uh, they have the headlamp. And then, um, let me think. Um, anyway, they, they brought the tools with them to, to complete their mission. So. And mm. also in that one scene, you can see them putting things in and out of it. I guess it's like a vest or something. Or I think on the vest, there's little, uh, what do you call it? Little slots where they can put tools. It looks like uh, the perpetrator is taking things in and out. So, um, yeah, so that's um, definitely proof that they had thought this through. They didn't just swing by there on a whim. Um you know, and I think something else that we talked about that people showed some interest in from a previous podcast was how in the CSI document, Fitzgerald asked um, the head of security at Walmart to check and see if they saw anything suspicious that morning. And we were just saying we can't really picture the perpetrator swinging by Walmart to pick up a gun or any ammunition, you know, on their way to the crime. It seems like that was too well thought out um you know we really do need to see if we can talk to that lady or try to get some more information about that and when I say that lady I mean the head of um, Walmart that Fitzgerald asked to look into all that stuff because that just really didn't make sense to really any of us I can't think of anyone that didn't think that was strange it really is strange I mean it, it like we we've talked about it before and I just can't for the life of me understand why you know mm-hmm. like I mean, of course, we have the whole Walmart thing. They only mentioned three Walmarts and not the one that was actually closest. I, right. I don't know if it was closest, but it was actually in the city, the city that, yeah. you know, the place was located. Why not the Midlothian one? Yeah, right. why not the Midlothian one? So that one was weird. And then the whole two o'clock, or what, what was it that they say between one and three or something? Like, what was the time frame? I yeah. forgot. Yeah, I don't remember, but it was, it, it, you could tell it was before the murder. And I just right. having a really hard time picturing the perk going, you know what, this would be a lot easier if I had some, had some extra bullets. I'm going to swing by Walmart on the way. I'm just not seeing that, you know, I don't get that at all. They don't, obviously they don't think the killer is very organized. (laughs) Yeah. Or, or, you know, or, you know, on the flip side, I could also see that Fitzgerald just knowing her and have worked with her in the past and just thinking I can at least just have her rule these things out real quick, you know, that kind of right. stuff. Yeah. And I get so it. It, it, might, it would be, I mean, like you're my friend, if you worked it and did that, I might just be like, you know what, this is a long shot, but I'm still going to ask Renee to maybe check the security tapes, make sure there's right. nobody doing anything weird in Walmart at that time of night before they came by here. But I still would have you check the one in Midlothian though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't get that. And this That's was so bizarre. So I, I get it. They didn't know a lot of information, but it still is weird. You know, it looks like you would say mm-hmm. in the past week or, you know, in the past few days or, you know, I don't know. I'm like you, that doesn't make sense to me. So well, you know what, as long as we're on this line of thinking, you know, we have had a lot of debates about whether or not there was a gun found at the scene. Um, apparently there was. But Fitzgerald wrote in that report that we're talking about, this is the Ellis County Sheriff's Office CSI report, Mm -hmm. where he was processing the scene of the crime. 
later that morning after Missy was killed at the Creekside Church, he was there processing the scene. He processed her truck um, and he told about where her body was found, everything. And the strangest thing to me was that he waited until Wednesday, which was two days later, he waited to conduct the e-trace, which is a e-trace is something that is a service that's provided by the ATF so that law enforcement um, officers can look up guns that they find at the scene of a crime um, to get the history on the, on the gun, who it was um, sold to, whose name was it registered in. And they waited until Wednesday to process a gun. And we've heard a lot of conflicting information about this gun. It was the perpetrator's gun in some scenarios. And some people say, oh, no, that was Missy's personal gun. She always carried. Was there two guns at the scene? We don't. That is another mystery in this very mysterious crime. But why did Fitzgerald wait until Wednesday to perform the E-Trace? Do you have any thoughts on that? Why would you wait two days later? Well, the only thing that I can think of is that they were waiting to get information. Maybe they were waiting to um, hear if, because she was so badly um, bludgeoned, I guess is a good Mm -hmm. word, um, that they couldn't tell exactly how she died. They didn't know because at this point, I mean, I guess they had seen the video, but they didn't know exactly what happened. So they were waiting for information and then they got information. Well, you know, um, we can tell it looks like because obviously if they did damage and I I like unlike you, I hate saying these things because it's just so horrible saying it about somebody. But it's just for the purposes of having this conversation. But, you know, obviously, if there's so much damage done to the exterior of her face or you know, chest that they couldn't tell. But once they got inside and was able to see, they're like, oh, okay. So a bullet has penetrated her um, eye area or whatever. Uh, At that point, they're like, okay, so now we need to do this other. That's the only thing that I can think of. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And also it's possible that, um, I don't know, though. I still I, I was going to say it's possible that they got the autopsy results on Wednesday. I don't know if you can get them that quickly or maybe the coroner's office said, OK, we have confirmation that, you know, there was a gun used in this. I'm just guessing. Um, I'm just throwing this out here that I, we don't know this, but I'm just saying, what if the coroner's office called and said, yes, the gun was used in this crime then? But to me, if you find a gun at a crime scene. I would think you would trace it regardless, like whether it was used in the crime or not, you would still trace it because if the perpetrator left it there, you just, you just have to trace it. So I will, I don't, that's something else I'm going to put on the list of things that I don't understand is why was the gun traced two whole days later? Yeah. That one gets me too. That is that is definitely a mystery. I don't understand it either. I, we've, we've tried to make sense out of it, and we really haven't. Um, and I wanted to say something, and I'm I'm trying to pull it up so that I can say it correctly, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to find it fast enough. But a couple of times on um, our podcast, I've you know we we've talked about the fact that um, we don't understand why they haven't uh, reached out to um, different organizations and. Um, uh, you know, different, different um, outside sources to help solve the murder. And apparently they have. And I, 
I know we've probably seen this and read over it a thousand times. Let me see if I can still, if I can find it. There's an article that they actually list all the different organizations that they've tried to get help them. And I, so I, I guess I basically just want to say, I've kept saying, I wish they would reach out to, you know, so-and-so or whatever, all these different organizations. And it looks like they have actually, um, I'm not really yeah. understanding. I can't, I can't find the article right now. I'll have to find it. Uh, later but they but anyway I at least wanted to say that I've said several times I wish they'd reach out to all these different organizations that are available and maybe there are still some more that they could reach out to but it looks like they um, presented the case to uh, some retired uh, investigators out of Austin Um, they presented it to an organization of uh, again more retired investigators um, that have been able to successfully, you know, solve a lot of unsolved murders. Um, and they reached out to them. So there's a lot of different organizations that they did reach out to. So I, I just wanted to point that out that I had said, I wish they would. And it looks like they did. So I just, I just wanted to point that out because I didn't realize they had reached out to that many different uh, place, you know, different organizations and um, support and, and ha- still haven't been able to solve it. I just, I just found that important. Yeah, and it makes me wonder, um, I guess it's probably just a lack of evidence, you know, it, they don't have enough information that that rises to the legal definition of evidence in a court of law, or um, are they just, is everything just all mixed up, and when they bring in these people to help, are they explaining things incorrectly, because they don't understand it fully, I mean, I don't really, I can't explain why this crime hasn't been solved yet either i have i have a tendency to think it's the former that they you know if they just don't have enough that that's going to really stick because they know they can only do this once and um it has to be done right right i agree i totally agree i just i just i mean it was nice to see that they had reached out to these different organizations but it is frustrating to know that they've reached out to that many and they haven't been able to solve it um so yeah I just, uh, I, I, that, that's, that is, um, very frustrating to know that that many people have worked on it and haven't been able to help. Um, let's see if this tells me right here. No, I don't know. There was, I, I'll find it and, and mention it on another one. I mean, it's not a big deal, but it was, it was interesting to see how many different, um, ways they had tried to get help with it and it and it didn't work out so and I I had really never noticed that before yeah yeah I know what you're talking about when you said that to me I was like oh okay yeah and I remember also and also remember the big deal they made about going down to Austin and there was some big like there was like a big organization of people you know different types of really excellent investigators were brought in they didn't specify from what departments or anything I found but it. They, oh, okay. The one about Austin? Yeah, it says um, the department has also consulted several investigators with other agencies to provide their expertise. We have done that in a couple of different fashions. The first time we had homicide investigators experienced homicide guys from Fort Worth and Dallas. We spent about eight hours and briefed the whole case, Johnson stated. We also went to out to Austin. It was several months after the first presentation and presented to a cold case group that is hosted by Texas Sheriff's Association. That's the one I was telling you about. That was about a four-hour presentation that we gave them. 
everybody from medical examiners to Texas Rangers to homicide guys, judges, trace evidence specialists, and physiologists was present. So that just then, makes me wonder. That makes me wonder if they even if they presented this well because you would think I out know. of all those people. I know. And then, and I don't remember who told me this if I read it or if it was our inside source, but someone said they went back to Austin. And they did that again with the same people sometime later. Um, so we know they they presented it twice to that Austin team. And yeah. here we are, a couple years later, nothing. And here's another one. They um, The department presented the case to members of the Southeastern Homicide Investigators Association who asked insightful questions and made suggestions. So there's another one. That's why when I read that, I was like, oh, man, because I've been saying, I wish they had, you know, presented to these people. I wish they presented to these people. I just, I guess I've never, I guess I've missed that part of it. And um, so I thought, wow, that's, but I, I, I agree with you. It makes you feel like, it makes you wonder if they, uh, <laughs> you know. I, I feel like, I feel like a teacher. I want to go take up everyone's work. I'm like, give me your papers. I want to see what you're presenting. <laughs> <laughs> And, not, and that sounds really arrogant. Of course, I don't know any better than law enforcement does. It's just an emotion that I have. Just like, I want to see what you guys are even presenting because I don't know why this hasn't been solved yet. But right. of course, I be. wouldn't even know what I was looking at. It could be. And, and this is, and I keep saying this because I hear it, I read it, and I, I, I see it all the time in, in different things that I've researched. I mean, it could be because, and I think that we've heard this, that um, in the beginning, a couple of investigators thought they had the case figured out or solved or whatever. And, um, uh -huh. and a lot of times that can, can really damper a case. And I don't know that that's ha that that happened. It's just my thinking, but, um, you know, it could be because when you, when you recognize when these outside people come in by themselves to try to solve it, that's typically when something happens because they're not on the same thinking that these other, uh, investigators are on. So they're kind of coming in fresh with their, with no uh, predisposition on it, you know, no prior, you know, nobody influencing them and they're able to start out and go, okay, let's look at this thing from start to finish. Let's get all the evidence and all the, you know, people that were closest to them and the people that were, you know, whatever case I'm talking about. And, and they just kind of work out their best friends, their neighbors, and they work at it from there. And that's how they're able to usually solve it because they start completely over. They're not just, you know what I'm saying? They're not just looking at it. Well, we've already checked this person or we've already done this. They look at it from start to finish all over again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wish they would do that. <laughs> I really do. And I, and I feel like they have, I just think that this case is extremely baffling. And I think that I'll say it again. The only thing I can come up with is this killer is elusive. I mean, they have been able to slip back into society without, you know, throwing off a whole lot of bells and whistles. Um, they're going to work. They have more than likely have some type of a family that, you know, they check in with or live with. And nobody is throwing up red flags saying, wait a minute, something's not right with this person. You know, around mm -hmm. the time that Missy was killed, they disappeared and came back acting weird. We're not getting any of that feedback, feedback from people, I don't think, or else I feel like that would be some pretty strong evidence to go along with maybe some other things. Um, you know, I think any one thing by itself isn't enough, but who knows, maybe, maybe they do have an enormous pile of circumstantial evidence, but they don't have that thing that they need that, you know, we've heard Kevin Johnson say that to the media several times. 
we're looking for that one piece of evidence that ties this killer to the crime. I sort of read the tea leaves and take that to mean we know who did it. We just need to tie them to that crime scene and we can't do it. I mean, that's yeah. what I, they that's need what I feel like. I'm hearing. To talk. Yeah. They need somebody to talk. And, and, and a lot of times you, you see um, people don't want to talk for different reasons. Uh, sometimes they don't want to talk because they're afraid. Sometimes they don't want to talk because they're not sure if they're just, you know, I'm not sure if I'm right or if I'm just kind of jumping to conclusions. Usually your instincts are right, though. Um, or it could even be, I don't want this to be known because it reflects on me. And I don't, you know what I'm saying? A lot of, yeah. a lot of people do that. They don't want, uh, I've even heard of cases where uh, parents knew their kid did something, but they didn't want to say anything because then that looks bad on them and all the church people are going to be mad or what, you know what I'm saying? Whatever. And oh, well, sure. And then there's denial too. I mean, yeah. like if your husband, if you kind of feel like they left in the middle of the night, but you're a deep sleeper, but you kind of like, you know, I went to the bathroom and I don't know where he was, you know, yeah. and, or, and, and they have a similar car or, you know, but see, here's the thing too, that really gets on my nerves is they did not tell the public about the small dark SUV. And what if your husband disappeared in the middle of the night and drives a small dark SUV? You wouldn't even know that you're supposed to report that because the enemy only talks about the Ultima that was across the street several hours before the murder. Why was that? Yeah. Yeah. Why would you keep that secret? Because there's probably a whole bunch of tips that never got called in because um, that search, we found the information thanks to Tim in that search warrant um, that he um, ordered from, you know, through the Open Records Act um, when we met him in early, what was that, late 2017, early 2018, I guess, late 2017. Mm-hmm. And so here's the thing if you know somebody who you think could be a possibility, that little bit more information about the small dark SUV being their vehicle, that would be enough to get you to pick up and call the police. You might not believe that they are really capable of it unless you had more than one or two things. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I mean, for example, if, if my husband left in the middle of the night, the same night someone happened to get murdered, I wouldn't be like, he did it, you know? I would not think that at all. But if there was a few other, if there was like five, four or five things, you know, you might go, whoa, maybe, maybe I don't know this person that as well as I thought I did. And I feel really bad saying that about my husband. If he ever hears this, he should be like, what are you talking about? But you know what I mean? It's like, I mean, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to like paint, or if it's your neighbor, I mean, the vehicle to me is such a basic piece of information I don't understand why that was kept secret you know the only thing that I can think of and I'm like you I don't understand it either I don't it's it's boggled my mind forever but in 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 trying to think of why they would maybe it was because they wanted the you know because you know when you you want the killer to I think to not think that you're onto them maybe yeah that's all I could think of too right that's literally the only thing I could think of because you were like oh they're looking for and you know what I, Ultima. they're not looking for a dark colored SUV so all right right and I think that the POI they were looking at potentially that drove one of those and everything I think they might have thought we're going to be arresting this guy really soon 
So there's no reason to give that information. But then when that didn't happen and years have passed, the rest of us were all wondering, why did they keep that secret? Why haven't they come out with that since? You would think that, I mean, I'm just guessing, but if they um, thought they were onto someone and they didn't want the perp to know that they were onto him, I get that. I'm just like you. That makes perfect sense. But you would think that all these years later, that they would finally just release that to the public in hopes that they would get a tip from someone. Cause I'm telling you, if my neighbor, um, you know, disappeared in the middle of the night, had a limp and they drove a small dark SUV, that might be the third thing might be the charm that makes me pick up and call police. The other things I might think, Oh, I'm just being silly. Everybody has a limp of some kind, you know, I mean, not everybody, but lots of people have a funny walk. I'm not going to worry about that, you know, but if you see several things, you might turn that person in. So yeah, that's always baffled me, um, my mind. So um, I guess we can, we could probably make a really long list about things that don't make any sense to us about this case. Um, You know, the more we talk about it. (laughs) It's a very long list. I'm sure they don't want to hear it, but we have, we have quite the list for them. (laughs) (laughs) how hard their job is but um and I can right. imagine they're just as frustrated as we are and they're probably like man we're trying <laughs> you know oh I, I I totally agree with you on that I think that MPD is extremely frustrated I do not you know we've said this before but I don't think that they are in any way shape or form in on this I certainly don't think there's any kind of a cover-up I don't think any of that. I think they're frustrated. And the only mm-hmm. time that we kind of lashed out about law enforcement, we're just frustrated and want it to get solved and wish that things were different, you know, but mm-hmm. we certainly, neither one of us has ever been on the bandwagon of thinking that they're somehow involved in a cover up or in the murder itself. Yeah, ex- exactly. I absolutely don't. I've never thought that at all. So yeah. we, we know that there's a lot of people that think that, but we're not on that bad wa- bandwagon at all. So. No, no, I don't I think, think that we, even we for a minute. That, but um, so, uh, but we do, we do, uh, we have been hearing from a few people in our Facebook group. Um, you know, they've been kind of giving me, um, given me, like they gave it to me. They've been giving us uh, some different comments on things and so forth. And we we do like hearing from y'all because it does help us to know what what y'all want to discuss or what y'all want to hear us discuss or you know whatever. Um, it really does help, don't you think? Oh, I love it. I love hearing from people. Um, it's nice just to hear that people are interested and that they might listen or that they have already listened. All that stuff really is motivating and encouraging and makes us want to keep doing this. Yeah. And and it makes it easier to discuss it because it helps us to kind of talk through it and, You know, and then it lets people see different perspectives because it's funny because me, you, um, you, you know, we sometimes we have completely different um, understandings of things and it's kind of, it, it's neat. It's like, uh-huh. oh, well, I didn't even, I didn't even think of it like that. You thought of it in a whole different <coughs> way. And thought of it. I think that's, I think that's really neat. I think that really helps. So. Yeah. I noticed we have someone who's been liking some of our posts in there who is from Jacksboro. So I wonder if she knew Missy personally Ooh. or if, um, she's just interested in the case because she's from the same town Missy's from. Yeah. Um, it's someone mm-hmm. I haven't seen before in the group. So yeah, we used to have all sorts of interesting stuff going on on social media. And I really appreciate everybody who um, takes their time to drop us a line. We really appreciate it. We read each and every one of them. 
Yep, we do. And um, so we're probably going to, um, we'll find something else to talk about next week in, in specific. Um, I feel like we could talk about the, uh, <laughs> the box and or the whatever it is that's in their hand at the end of the video <laughs> forever and never figure that one out. <laughs> it's right. Like a yeah. Total mystery. But uh, but anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, let us know some things that um, interest you and you want to talk about, and, and we will work on um, a discussion and, and hope that y'all uh, enjoy us trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, we also have a growing Instagram following, which is great. I see we have some Camp Gladiator people on there. We've got some ex law enforcement people on there and all kinds of interesting yeah, people. Yeah. Yeah, it's really fun. We've got, let's see, we're up to 401 followers on Instagram, which is pretty exciting considering that's a pretty darn new account. So if you don't mind following us on Instagram, we try to, we post every time we do a podcast and maybe try to pop one up in between. Um, So yeah, please visit us on any of those platforms. We'd love to talk to you um, and hear what you have to say. Um, Can you think of anything else we were going to talk about this time? I can't. I can't. Um, I think we. I think we covered it, and then a little, and then a little extra. Okay. Well, great. Um, yeah. All right. So I guess we will uh, see y'all next time. Uh, send us your messages and your your um, ideas, and we will definitely uh, put together a uh, podcast. You know, and talk about that in particular. And if you do know someone who's local who's been acting weird drives a small dark suv has a lamp anything like that or ideally if you have information that actually links someone to this crime please don't hesitate to contact midlothian police or crime stoppers and let them know what the information is that you have yeah you can actually do that anonymously which makes it even you know even better a lot less (laughs) all right much much better thank you so much 